You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. All right, had it on my heart tonight to talk to you about FOMO. Fear of missing out. How many of you know our society can experience a lot of FOMO? But let's go. It's not new. It goes all the way back to the beginning. So let's go all the way back. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, we're talking about Eve. This is clear back in the garden at the beginning. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. How many of you know the devil has no new tricks? He, he's still working the same tricks he's always worked. Because why? They keep working. Sadly, his tree, he don't need any new tricks until we can make the old ones quit working. But we can examine the way he interacted with Eve and see some of the tricks uh, and how he tempts and how he operates. He said here in, in uh, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The first thing he did was come to see if she knew what God said. Because how many of you know if you don't know what God said, any lie will do? If you don't know the truth, any lie will do. I tell you, the devil has hoodwinked people in this day and in this hour. You know, all that healing stuff passed away with the last apostle. Well, number one, there's apostles now. But beyond that, people are still getting healed now. I tell you, we've had some fantastic healings. We were rehearsing some things today in a meeting I was in. Some miracles God has wrought right here in the midst of our body. Uh, you know, God is still in the healing business today. But if Satan can convince you that it's not the will of God for you to be healed, then you'll just take that sickness and never know any better. Because if you don't know what God said, if you don't know that God said, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed, that Jesus himself bore your infirmities and carried your sicknesses, if you don't know that, then you'll just take whatever he throws at you. We had a lady who came one time out had a terrible disease. It caused her to have to have like 30-some operations. And the enemy convinced her that this, this uh, disease was somehow bringing glory to God in her body. He was somehow getting glory out of her suffering. And I'll tell you, she had no hope of being healed until she came here and began to hear the word. That word began to work in her and set her free. And I'll tell you, her body began to come into line. 
Tumors started disappearing off of her body. You need to know what God said. You need to know the word of God for yourself. Because if you don't know the truth, any lie will do. I tell you, he'll mess you up in any way he can. We have to know the truth. We have to. And we have to know it for ourselves. He came to see, does she know the truth? Hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So she did know. She passed a test. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now we know she added, don't touch it. But how many of you know if God said don't eat something, it's good just not to touch it. So I understand, you know, Adam probably told her, look, just don't even touch it, all right? We ain't going to eat this. God said don't eat it, so just don't even touch it. So she did add a little bit, but she basically got it right. And the serpent, verse 4, said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. What does he do? He plants doubts. He tries to, uh, okay, so you know what God said. But he didn't really mean it. It might have worked, you know, thousands of years ago, but it wouldn't work now. Or it wouldn't work for you. It's for spiritual people. Or it's for, uh, uh, everybody else, not you. How many of you know he, he just loves to try to talk us out of what we know to be the truth? Why? Because he's trying to keep you in bondage. He's trying to keep you all bound up. He disputes what God said. He didn't really mean it. Or, he, you know, uh, that's for really spiritual people, not you. But how many of you know God doesn't waste breath? What my God said, my God meant, and my God will do. He will do. He will do. He will do. Because he is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. He means what he says, and he says what he means. If God said you can have it, then you can have it. And if you don't have it yet, then all you have to do is figure out how to receive it. You shall not surely die. What is he doing? Planning doubt, disputing that it would work or that it would work for her. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. The third trick. He tries to make it look like God is withholding something that is needful for us. When we were away praying, not this last time, but a couple times ago, the Lord took us to this portion of Scripture. And he said, this is a lot of what Satan does to people now. He gives them FOMO, a fear of missing out. They think I'm withholding or they're not going to be able to get something they need unless they compromise to get it, unless they sin to get it, unless they make it happen themselves. But how many of you know that is not true? God is not withholding. I want us to look at what the enemy said to Eve. Verse 5, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, 
and you shall be as gods. But what was the, what was the trick there? They already were like God. They were created in the image and the likeness of God already. They already were like God. He was trying to convince them they didn't have something they already have. Do you remember the older brother who got mad when the younger son came home after he spent all of his daddy's stuff in, in the prodigal story? Do you remember that? And the older brother was mad. And he's like, you know, Father, I've been here with you this whole time. And the father's like, dude, what are you talking about? You could have had a party for your friends anytime you wanted it. It's all right here. You could have taken it. You could have received it anytime you wanted. Everything I have is yours. How many of you know that's how it is? Everything God has, we're in a covenant. We're in a covenant together with God. And a lot of times in our nation, we don't understand covenant. But when you cut covenant with somebody, everything you have is theirs and everything they have is yours. And growing up in the church uh, that I was in, they talked about covenant, but only our side. I grew up knowing everything I had was God's. I'd been bought with a price. I didn't have a right to anything. I was just, everything I had was his, uh, and, and that's where they focused. And how many of you know that's right? But they never taught me the other side, that everything he has is mine. Everything I have is his, and everything he has is mine because we're in covenant together. How many of you know we got the better end of that deal? Everything he has is yours. It's already been given to you. Adam and Eve already had the, the uh, being like him. They just didn't realize it. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You've got authority over the creeps. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Do you know how hard Satan has worked through the years to diminish our worth in our own sight? If you're nothing but an animal and this life is all you have and when you're dead, you're dead and it's over and it doesn't matter, then why would you even try to live for Christ? You're just an animal. Just like every other animal. He tries so hard to diminish our worth and our value. Because when you think you're nothing, you act like nothing. When you think you're nothing, you act like nothing. Listen, if you're born again, you're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You are of infinite worth and value to your Father. You were created in the very image and likeness of God. It's who you are. It's who you are. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful, 
multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God already created them in his own image and in his own likeness. They were already like God. But Satan was trying to convince them that there was something out here that they lacked. That they couldn't get any other way but compromise and sin. Do you understand? Psalm 8-4. Psalm 8-4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. How many of you know we freaked out all the angelic heavenly beings? They could not figure out why God cares about us. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Let's stop right there. That's a cop out from the translators. That word there they translated angels is Elohim, which is God Almighty. For thou hast made him a little lower than you, God. It's what it reads in the original. Look it up. Look it up. That word is Elohim. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. Some of the newer translations bring that out. In the New Living it says, You made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. How many of you know they already were like God? God was not withholding that from them. It was already theirs. But I wanted you to look at what else he said to them. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing both good and evil. I want you to notice how he makes the knowing of evil sound like a good thing. Listen, to this point, all they had known was good. Who wants to know evil? Who wants to know evil? And yet he made it sound so desirable. God's withholding from you. God knows that if you eat from this tree, you're going to be like him. And you're going to know both good and evil. But who wants to know evil? But there was an even bigger implication here. And that implication is that God is withholding something from you. Something that is needful or beneficial to you. And the only way you're going to get it is to compromise and sin. That's a frequent strategy of the enemy to get people into sin. God is withholding something from you that's needful or beneficial. And if you're going to if you're going to have it, you're going to have to compromise or sin to get it. And a different way to say the same thing is if you obey God, you're going to miss out on something that you need or want, something that would benefit you. But you know what the Bible says, Eve ate the farm. Let's go back to Genesis. Well, it doesn't say those words, but 
Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what did Satan appeal to? The lust of the flesh. That it was pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. She bought the lie that God was withholding. How did that work out for them? How did that work out for them? Genesis 3.16. Genesis 3.16. I know I didn't put that in my notes, y'all. Genesis 3.16. This is after they ate. And unto the woman he said, this is God speaking, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Verse 19. In, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. How many of you know that didn't work out exactly the way she planned? Here she thinks she's getting this enlightenment. Instead, she got sorrow. Toil and heartache. Listen, she didn't know. She didn't know that because she disobeyed God and ate of that fruit, that one of her sons would kill the other. She didn't know that all the sin, all the sickness, all the sorrow that's in the world today would come in. But it did. How many of you know that did not work out well? That little stinking piece of fruit, it couldn't have been that good. It was disobedience to God. It did not work out well for her. How many of you know that's something that Satan really works on teenagers about a lot? I have a very distinct memory, and I'm embarrassed to even share this with you, but uh, I was maybe, I don't know, 14 or 15, and I was sitting in my room, and I remember having a conversation with the Lord. And I was like, Lord, you know, I know, I know I should trust you where guys are concerned. But, Lord, I know you're the ancient of days. And you're probably a little out of touch with how modern society is. Things aren't like they used to be when you was in town. How many of you know the moment I took that area of my life out of God's hand, I popped up on the radar of every jerk within a 100-mile radius. I got my heart broken so many times it just wasn't even funny. I'm, that did not work out the way I had anticipated do you understand? 
And yet the enemy comes in and he tries to, you know, you're going to miss out. If you, if you live by God's standards, you're going to miss out. In high school, I didn't date a lot. Mostly because I didn't like none of them boys. But uh, thank God. But anyway, um, th- this kid came up to me one time and he's like, you don't have a date for homecoming, do you? I said, no. He said, you know why? You don't give out. So if you just give out, you'd have a date. And you know what? I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm sure you're going to volunteer to be the one to help me with this burden that I'm carrying. Okay, one thing I am not as stupid, okay? I, I looked at him with such disgust. I'm like, roll my eyes and walk away. Because... Even though, you know, I wasn't exactly an obedience Lord, I wasn't stupid either. But isn't that what the devil does? You're never going to get a date. How are you going to know if you don't live together? Whether you'll be able to satisfy each other. And I, I could get real plain. When you compromise, let me just say it this way. I've been around a long time now. It's one of the benefits of being my age. I watch people's lives, not just for a year or two years, but for decades. Anything you compromise to get, you'll ultimately lose. Anything, whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's a person, whatever it is, anything you have to compromise to get, you're ultimately going to lose. And the devil don't tell you that when he signs you up. He just paints this picture in your brain of how wonderful it would be if you would yield to him and to his sin. He doesn't show you the heartache on the other side. If you just drink with all your friends, then you'll be cool and you'll be in and and things will be so much better. They don't show the, the wrecked car in the ditch. They don't show the tickets. They don't show the heartache of somebody being hurt in your wreck. Listen, there are reasons, rules, and guide rails have been set up in life. It's to keep people from doing things that they're ultimately going to regret. Anything you have to compromise to get, you will ultimately lose. Let's go to Sarah. I guess at this point she was Sarai. Genesis 16:1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Sarai said. Now you know that's a bad idea. But let's start earlier in the, in the story. Was God withholding? He wasn't. Let's back up a chapter. Genesis 15, 1. 
After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the chapter before the chapter where Sarai said, God is withholding a child from us. God said, a child is coming. And Sarai said, not fast enough for me. Now, Abraham and Sarai were married, husband and wife, one. If God promised children to Abraham, then he promised them to the other half of Abraham, which is Sarah. But obviously, the enemy had been lying to Sarah's mind because of what we see her saying here. In verse 2, she, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. How many of you know sin is sin? Old covenant or new? How many of you know that was bad? That was not a good idea. And I want us to look at how that worked out for her. Genesis 16, 4. So he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress, Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. It's all your fault, dude. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. How many of you know that was not the happy little family she'd imagined in her mind? Genesis 2.18. Uh, Genesis 21.8. Genesis 21.8. Got the... The child grew, talking about Isaac when he finally did come, and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. How many of you know that happy little family fantasy that she had in her head? Satan built up this whole storyline, uh, this whole fantasy in Sarah's mind of how this sin was going to work out and how it was going to be. But after she compromised and after she sinned and encouraged her husband to sin, it didn't go anything like what she had fantasized in her mind it would be. Have you ever wanted something so badly that you're willing to compromise to get it only to find out that it was not at all like it you thought it would be in your mind. Careful what you ask for. Sometimes you actually get it. When I was early 20s, I was crazy in love with this boy. Just crazy in love. And God kept saying no. And it honked me off. 
So I argued. I fought God. I remember I stood in my driveway and I was like, now you, darn it, listen to me. This is all the reasons we'd be so good together. And I gave him the whole list. And how many of you know he was not impressed? Because he said no. And being the sweet, easy to entreat person that I was not at that time. I, I was not happy. I had a vision one night. I was sitting in my bed and I was praying and talking to the Lord. And in this vision, this guy was standing next to me. And in this vision, this giant hand, the hand of God, came down from heaven, boom, between us. And I mean, this hand was massive. Had to be 100 feet tall and maybe miles long. And I mean, it just Boom, came down between us. And I understood what God was saying. I'm done talking about this little girl. I said no, and it's done tonight. It's done. And again, being the sweet, I went nuts. In my vision, I went nuts. I started beating on that hand. I was crying hysterically because I knew I was going to lose this relationship. And I thought, there's, I've got to be able to climb over. And so I tried to climb over because the guy was on the other side. And, and that didn't work. And so I, I couldn't get up his hand. And I said, well, I can dig under. And so I start digging. And, and I mean, all this time I'm just crying hysterically in this vision. And, you know, I'm digging and digging and digging. And I never get anywhere. It just seems like his hand just never ended. And then I said, oh, fine. His, his finger's got to end somewhere. And so I took off running. I know you wouldn't be this stupid. I hope. I ran and I ran and I ran and I never found the end. But finally, I just fell out exhausted from grief and sorrow and having fought the hand of God. And as I lay there on the ground, I honestly was so exhausted, I didn't know if I was alive or dead. It was, I was that spent. And that hand that had been so unyielding and unmoving closed down around me like a blanket, comforting me and protecting me as I laid there on the ground, having spent myself fighting him. Is he not a merciful God or what? Sure enough, it was the end. That's exactly what it was. Somebody just said, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. That's what it was. In retrospect, having watched his life, he's a minister. He's called to missions. He's musical. He, he would have fit. fit so good. But it just, it, so grateful God had somebody so much better for me that fit me so much better. But do you understand, to that point, my limited experience with all those jerks, I didn't know there was anybody decent left. I didn't know there was a Mark Garver out there somewhere 
You know what I'm saying? My vision was so limited, I, I only saw the jerks that kept popping up on my radar. He, he was the best offer I'd had. That's really terrible, isn't it? And, he, you know, he's in the ministry. He's, he's doing, as far as I know, doing great. But I never would have been with him what I am with, with Pastor Mark. I would never be the minister I am. I would never be the person I am. I, I wouldn't have been loved the way I've been loved. I, wouldn't, I could not have created a life this good for me. Only God could do that. But do you see how hard the devil works building up fantasies? We talked about running away together. Where are we going to run from God? He was the one we both knew was against this thing. We'd have been so miserable, we'd have just made each other miserable. Why? Because I didn't have grace for him. I have Mark Garver grace. We'd have got on each other's nerves till we were so sick of each other, we'd have been done. Thank God. Thank God. So, we, Satan, he, he builds these fantasies up in your head. Just disobey God. It'll be great. He'll come around. I'd have messed everything up so royally. Sarah, I had this whole fantasy built up in her head of getting babies and being able to raise them as her own and They'd all be one happy family, and it'd be more her baby than Hagar's. How many of you know it's not how it worked out? Satan convinced Eve that God was withholding from her. And Satan convinced Sarai that God was withholding from her. And both of them compromised. And both of them paid a terrible price for their compromise. Because whatever you compromise to get, you'll ultimately lose. Psalms 84.11. Psalms 84.11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. He is not a withholder. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And listen, I know it doesn't always come when you want it. Abraham and Sarai or Sarah, they had to wait a long time. They was old. When they finally got that baby, literally, what was she, 99? How many of you know, that's impressive. But he was the son of promise. The one God had for her. The one that would give her the desires of her heart. She had to wait when she didn't want to wait. She didn't want to wait till she was 99, which I like totally get. But God, but God, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. 
He's not withholding. 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 If he said you can have it, you can have it. If he said it's yours, it's yours. You just got to trust and wait. And that's the hard part. We were talking today uh, about how many babies, we've had miracle stories here uh, of women having babies when they were having trouble and having, you know, babies that are even physically impossible for them to have. We were talking about it today, and I remembered that years ago, Joe Morris said this would be a church uh, that was known for women having babies in old age. Back when the church was very small. I know that just made some of you nervous. I tell you, God's not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. There's a miracle anointing on this church for babies. You don't want them, you better take protection. I don't care how old you is. If you're married, and if you're not, you ought not be exposed where you need to worry about it. But you understand what I'm saying? We're going to see it. Outpourings of life. Outbursts of life. God is not a man that he should lie. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. What has he said to you? Don't give up. Don't get impatient. Trust him. That fantasy that the devil has worked up in your head of it'll be better a different way. I can make this come to pass a different way. That's all it is, is a fantasy that will cost you dearly. No good thing. No good thing will he withhold. From them that walk upright. You don't have to cheat on your taxes to get money. Ask him for it. Believe for it. You don't have to stab your coworkers in the back to get ahead of them and get a promotion. Believe God for it. Favor surrounds you like a shield. They promote you. They do good to you. They give you raises when they said you were never going to get another one. And they don't even know why they're doing it. Because of the favor of God on you. Whom God has blessed, no man can curse. Whom God has blessed, no man can curse. You know, they tried to get Balaam to come in the old covenant and curse God's people. And he couldn't do it. And all he kept saying is, whom God has blessed, no man can curse. Listen, they can't hold you back when God has said you're going through. No one on your job can hold you back when God said you're going to be promoted. Romans 8:32 He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he would give you his only begotten son, if he would stand there and watch him be killed so that you could be saved, what in the world do you think he would withhold from you? Finances? Are you kidding me? Nothing. If he would give you his son, the life of his only begotten son, if he loves you that much that he sent him here to pay for your sins, if he sent him here for you so that you could be free, what would he withhold from you? What's money when, when he's given you his son? Well, Pastor Rhonda, I believed. I can't believe in. How long do I got to believe? Till it's done. Till it's done. Till it's done. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God, the scripture says. I tell you, sometimes our faith lasts only as long as our patience does. Listen, I've been percolating something for 20 years. That's just going to make it all the sweeter when it comes to pass. Glory to God. I tell you, I refuse to give up. I have come too far, worked too hard, paid too high a price to give up now. I will see it. I will see it. I will see it. And you will see it. And you got to get that kind of attitude. There is not a devil in hell that's going to take me out with COVID. Take my family out. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Well, Pastor Rhonda, you should be afraid to say that. Don't you know the devil's listening? Yeah, I know he's listening. But I mean it. He can't have us. He can't have you. He can't have me. He can't have any more of our church people. I drew a line in the sand. We've lost very few, but we have lost a few. And I, I said, no more. Mm -mm, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Listen, so I'm just telling y'all if you want out of here, you go out of here with something else. Because I got my stake planted in the ground. That this is not coming near here anymore. I'm, I'm done. We've had a couple people get really serious and it looked really bad. And I said, no. No. You can't have them. I draw the line right here. You can't have them. How many of you know the devil knows when you're playing and when you ain't? The devil knows when you'll stand and when you won't. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is not a withholder. You don't have to have a fear of missing out. 
You don't have to. Every time the devil says you're going to have to compromise to get this, you know that's a lie from the pit of hell to short-circuit the miracle of God in your life. It is. It is. First Timothy 6.17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Put your trust not in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Listen, he wants you to have what will give your heart joy as long as it's godly. He wants you to have the desires of your heart. He is not a withholder. You don't have to compromise. He has given us richly all things to enjoy. Glory to God. Deuteronomy 8.18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. We don't seek after wealth. Wealth and the blessings of God chase us down. Goodness and mercy and the blessing chases us everywhere we go. We don't have to go after it. We just know it's following us. Father, I thank you that as I go after you with all my heart, money's chasing me down. Blessings are chasing me down. Oh, your word says that you've given me the power to get wealth. It's just on me. It's just on me. Whatever I touch, whatever I put my hand to is blessed. And I believe that, Father. I don't seek after those things. I seek after you, but I know they're right here following me down, chasing me down everywhere I go. He is not a withholder. Psalms 115 verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more. You and your children. That's the desire of God for you. That you be increased more and more. Both you and your children. That blessing being passed down to those coming after us. As we teach them his ways and help them to get in covenant with him. He's going to increase us more and more. Us and our children. Glory to God. He is not a withholder. You don't have to have a fear of missing out. He's withholding nothing from you. You know, sometimes the way people talk about God, it's like he's got their blessing uh, in his hand, and his hand is closed, and it's behind his back, and they're trying to, you know, pray with me and, you know, help me to get his hand out here so I can pry his fingers open. Prying, trying to pry God's hand don't work. Take it from the most stubbornest of stubborn who tried everything. You couldn't pry it open if you wanted to. But the Bible says his hand is open. And he satisfies the desire of every living thing. He's a good father. And he loves you. But listen, don't buy into the lie. Don't buy into the lie. Anything you have to compromise to get, you're ultimately going to lose. It didn't work out for Eve. It didn't work out for Sarai, and it wouldn't work out for you either. Amen. Father, we trust you.
We know that you are not a man that you should lie. Father, with every desire of our heart, we trust you. We give you the desires of our heart, those things that you have put in there, Father, those things that you have put in our heart. We give them back to you, and we trust you to bring them to pass. The things that you've spoken to us, we trust you to bring them to pass. Father, the things that are covenant uh, blessings that we know are ours through the covenant, uh, such as healing and peace of mind, Father, we trust you. We trust you to bring them to us. And Father, we don't ever have to compromise because your hand is open and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. And I thank you for it. And Father, if there's somebody here who, like me, was holding or is holding on to something That's less than your best. Meaning, they're trying to talk you into a relationship like I did. Or they're trying to talk you into a certain position at work. Father, I'm asking you, if it's not the highest and the best, that you tell them, that you show them, that you help them, Father. Help them to understand that you're not withholding from them, but there's something better, something better, Father, for them in that arena. And, Father, I thank you that as we trust you with every area of our life, that you bring your will to pass in great fruition. And that you continue to increase us more and more, both us and our children. And, Father, if there's people who are are watching tonight, who are listening to me tonight, who've never entered into that covenant with you by which everything they have is yours and everything you have is theirs. Father, if they have never given their heart to you, never given their life to you, never ask you to forgive them of their sin, then I ask right now, wherever they are, that you deal with their heart, that you convince them of their need of a Savior. And, Father, I know that you have a life for them that's so far beyond what they could have ever provided for themselves. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help them to trust you. Give them the grace to take that leap of faith and receive you as their Savior and make you the Lord of their life so that you can give them that abundant life, so that you can give them that blessed life, that life that will make their heart sing, that life that will fulfill all the desires of their heart. It just takes a leap of faith. We trust you. We trust you. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never made him the Lord of your life, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, then I'm asking you, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to do that. I tell you, he has a great life for you. He has such, I could never have put together a life for myself the way he put together my life. 
Uh, he has blessed me. He has given me the desires of my heart. I desired to be loved, and he knew that. And he gave me someone who loves me, and I'm so grateful. And, and he can do the same for you. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It may not be focused on the person you're thinking, but he knows the underlying desire. He'll give you a life you could never have imagined for yourself that it would ever be this good. But you got to receive him. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. You have to receive him. So if that's you, and if you want to receive him tonight, then we're going to pray together. And I'd like you to repeat after me, but I want you to mean it with all your heart. Church, we're going to help him. Are you ready? Father God, I believe. Pray this at home, wherever you're hearing me, if you want to receive him. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he came to the earth, took on flesh, died on that cross to pay for my sins. I receive him as my Savior. I make him the Lord of my life. I believe he was raised from the dead. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart to forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. And I'm asking you to give me the life you have for me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Maybe, maybe you used to walk with God, but you walked away. Listen, God's not mad at you. He just wants you to come home. He just wants you to come home. He's not mad. He loves you. And he, just like that prodigal father was watching for his son to return, so the father God is watching, waiting for you to come home. You can come home right now, but I, I want to I, I pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it after me and mean it with all your heart, and it'll bring you home tonight. It'll bring you back to the Father if you mean it with all your heart. So pray this with me in church. Let's help them. Father God, I ask you to forgive me of the sin that I've been committing. I repent, and I turn to you. And I believe that your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I ask you to forgive me, to wash me with the blood of Jesus. And I'm, I'm coming home, Father. I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. And I thank you that you're going to restore to me. You're going to restore to me. That life, that abundant, blessed life that you have for me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He is for you. He's not withholding. His hand is open to you. You got this. Amen. All right, we'll see you on Sunday. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org 
check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know him so you too can make him known.